Welcome back, everybody. Hey, everyone. Everybody, I think you have gotten uh, a lot of feedback from a lot. I say a lot, but it is. Of feedback from these shorter podcasts saying that you guys really benefit from these. And thank you for that. Who'd have thought that people would listen to a podcast that wasn't three hours long, right? <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. We I kid, can, we kid. I can, I can ramble for hours, but anyway. Um... Obviously, by the title, we're we're uh, we're dealing with one of my favorite verses here. So this is kind of a branded, ruined, treasured doing, yeah. Bible verses. <laughs> yeah, this is one that kind of goes along with uh, the prayer podcast that I just put out. Yes, which I got a lot of feedback from that too. That y'all enjoyed that, and finally, uh, we're able to see my heart with the. With the beginning of that, and I thank you because it was, it was a very difficult one to do. Yes. Um, for me, and it still is difficult for you know it still is is weighs heavy on me. So, I want everybody to know that. But this kind of goes along with that because one of the re- repeated verses that we keep hearing with this. I mean, we see it on Facebook. We see it on... Oh, this is posted all the time. I've seen churches put this on like their um, yes. sign boards Matter of fact, in front I of think them one and... down the road from us yeah, had this. Yeah, it's kind of a big thing. And, and especially with that whole prayer march that went on here recently. So if you guys haven't seen that, you definitely should uh, check that out if you haven't seen that podcast. Yeah, and this is, again, this is, we're talking about Second Chronicles 7.14. I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and then we're gonna, I'm going to talk and, and break it down a little bit. But verse 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So that one is is the verse that's used by everybody under the sun especially in the more charismatic prosperity teacher in churches but honestly i feel like it's not even just that anymore well you know no what it's I mean? not not yeah it's yeah. especially and and that's where i said that i was really surprised at the prayer march because this talk was coming out of the mouths of teachers that I wasn't expecting this type of, of talk. And here's the problem with it is that we have to put everything in its context, especially when it comes to interpretation. Thanks to our dear friends, over at Compelling Truth, and they are just an offshoot of gotquestions.org. Okay, they they have an article here that I'm going to read real quick that explains the importance of this. And what this is, it's called, there's two big words here that we use. Okay, the words are exegesis and eisegesis. Okay, I know those are big, huge words, but... And to be honest, the first time he used that word with me, the exegesis, I thought he was making, not making it up, but I thought like 
Brandon is dyslexic. And so sometimes he will come across things and he says them totally wrong. And I'm like, honey, that's not what that is. I do. But do that. his letter, like it just it messes with him. Yeah. So the first time. But I usually time, catch it myself. Yeah. But the first time, like years back when you were like trying to talk to me something and you were like, like exegesis, you're and I'm like, honey, that's not a real word. Like you're not getting that right. I thought like I was so smart. And then when you broke it down, I was like, oh, that, so you guys, it is a real word. Cause I know for some of us, we're like exegesis and I Jesus like what the heck are you talking about yeah now I think this is really one of the only things that I don't do that with is when it comes I have a to harder time scripture. saying it than you do so but, <laughs> okay these two two what do these two words mean okay exegesis and eisegesis are two opposing views to the study of the bible exegesis refers to an explanation of the biblical text based on an investigation of the language history culture and context of a passage in its in its original setting okay so that is what exegesis is okay it's a explanation of biblical text based on investigation of the language history culture and context of what this verse says Okay, it's it's not some man-made doctrine, or you can you can tell when you break these things down that it's just common sense. I mean, these are just common sense tools that you use when you're reading something. I mean, you you actually do this when you know you're you're reading news, or when you're reading somebody you know a letter or a message from somebody that's in a group or something like that. Like you you automatically do these things. Like you don't even think of it, but you automatically use these tools in your in your brain. So I mean these these aren't these aren't new. I mean they require a little bit of work. You know I mean it definitely it requires a little bit of work, and that's what's really important here, and that's what that's what we lack. So that's exegesis. Now eisegesis, the other word, refers to the interpretation of a passage of scripture based on subjective understanding of the text. That is about 99.9% oh, .9 of what's out there, of this type of, of Second Chronicles verse, you know, that gets used. That's an eisegesis. What we're doing is we're taking a verse and we're going, you know what? That sounds good. We're going to go ahead and apply that to our country and our current state. And there's, there's certainly things that can apply, especially from the Old Testament. Um, but, you know, it's, let's pump the brakes a minute and let's take a look at how we, how we can do that because we just can't. We just can't come and take something and say, yep, this is what it means. No, you have to go through the process. Well, and this is where I think people like to come in and argue, well, that's just your interpretation. That's just your opinion of it. That's just your, you know what I mean? Like different, this is what allows teachers to teach this or teach that, right? Because it's based on, well, this is how they read the text. This is what they got out of it or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. This is why this is so important. Theology and doctrine is that important because 
there is a proper way to go through and not proper because somebody made up these ridiculous rules, but proper because it sticks to the, the totality of everything, right? And so there's a proper process, just like with algebra, right? There's a proper process, an order of operations to get to the correct and true answer. Right, like it's exactly. the same way with this. And that's where that exegesis, eisegesis comes in because there is a proper process to go through the text because again these are 66 books written over thousands of years by many different people all divinely inspired that by like it's a, a lot of stuff that's right that's a brilliant point so that there's you make a, a, of an the order math. of operations that you go through to put this in its proper context that's why now it's kind of sad but you can put up this algebraic expression and be like, hey, who can get the right answer first? And most people can't because nobody remembers PIMDAS, right? Nobody remembers the proper order of operations when you go through. And so um, maybe I just spent too much time in math class, but whatever. Um, there's a proper order that you go through. So that's where you can look at teachers and be like, no, it's not that we have a difference of opinion. It's not that that's my interpretation of the text or what I got from it. It's did you use the proper order of operations to take that with the totality of God's word, the understanding of what was going on, who it's written to, when it's written, blah, 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 right? That All just of the seems things like something that you to would get do. the right thing. You would do that with anything, yeah, but that's anyway. what you would do. And this is what frustrates me is um, because that's what you would do with literally anything else, anything, something you're reading, a, right, a math problem, something in the news. I mean, whatever it is, you would do that with everything else, but you bring this up to do with scripture and people get so weird about it. Well, that's just your two cents. That's just what you got out of it, what your interpretation was. No, that's what it says right. when put in the proper order of operations, right? The proper context, the understanding, totality of God's word, everything weighed in, like that's what it is. And that's where you say so often that really there are very, very few biblical, doctrinal, theological differences that believers can truly have. When you really get into it, what the heart of those different opinions and thoughts and, and, and doctrinal beliefs are, they're very, very small, the ones that are actually okay because of this, because of the exegesis, eisegesis. Yeah, if they 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 don't understand that whole thing. But that was a brilliant um like sorry, as you were as talking as it's the, just <laughs> the the algebra because you can you can look and you can just put the answer down, right? You can easily just put the answer down but you know, and sure. and and by looking in the back of the book or the calculator, or whatever. Sure. But you lose the process of how you get there. In the process and of how people, you get there. You, you give them that one expression and people, well, I just did it from left to right. I did this stuff. For, right. If you don't do it in that proper order, everybody can come up with a different answer. But there's only one true, correct answer. And that's the one that follows the proper process. Sure. And it's the same. It does. It works the same way with biblical interpretation. So just to warn you now, maybe this one won't be as quick as I thought it was going to be because I'm just going <laughs> Every to... Every time you tell me we have a quick one, I'm like, honey, quick is an hour. Well, but I, I really did intend to just do this verse and break it down quickly. But there is... It, this is important just to say that this is not my opinion on interpretation of this passage. Um, this is important to, to know. And people need to understand that this is why it doesn't mean what you think it means. And... G continuing on, I'm just going to, uh, with the, the resource here, 
I'm just going to continue reading because they do a really good job of summarizing it here, and it's, it's fairly short. So it says, Exegesis is the approach to Bible study that does the text justice and seeks true understanding of God's Word. It looks at what the text says in appropriate context, wanting to learn from the text rather than wanting to use the text to support a preconceived notion. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.15 teaches, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Rendering of that verse is rightly dividing. Rightly dividing, which that is a, um, an, um, you know, a rendering that I wish would have carried over to the ESV. I wish they would have, would have done it like that. They didn't. I, I just think it's really important the way, and I'm not, I'm not a word person. I'm really not, <laughs> but I think that that communicates, you know, this is where I'll, you know, tip my hat to you, KJV only people, because, you know, this is where they get it right. Sure. And that's, that's exactly really what great, the text is. Yeah. It, 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 that's exactly what Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy here. This is rightly handling, rightly dividing the word of truth. And there is division they're saying okay i have to take out of here and divide what i can and what i can't you know by using this process um continuing on though it says exegesis is a method of study that promotes this okay eisegesis is often associated with postmodern culture and literary study while every person brings some level of personal bias to his or her understanding of the Bible, eisegesis focuses on using this bias as the bias for interpretation. Instead of asking, what does this biblical passage mean? Eisegesis asks, what does this verse mean to me? Or how does this passage make me feel? That's really important. Instead of asking, what does this biblical passage mean? Eisegesis asks, what does this verse mean to me? Or how does this passage make me feel? There's an issue there. Okay, the, subject, the subjective approach to scripture is concerning in many ways. First, a subjective focused approach to scripture reads into the Bible what the reader wants to hear rather than what the Bible wants a person to hear. Second, eisegesis takes meanings from the biblical text that were never intended. That's a key point here. These could indicate false teachings or harmful applications. For example, a person could read the account of Peter walking on the water with Jesus and subjectively eisegete that this means he can jump out of a boat and walk on water. When it fails to happen, much harm could occur. Another, reason, another reader could eisegete this passage to mean that God wants us to attempt the impossible no matter the odds and then spend the entire paycheck attempting to win the lottery, making an unwise choice that could hurt himself and others. <laughs> that's a great, yeah, that's good, pretty funny. Good one, yeah. To exegete this same passage, a person could look at the context of the narrative and discover that Jesus provided a miracle of nature to show that he is more powerful than the wind and waves. Another insight is that Peter was a leader among the apostles and the only one to walk on water with Jesus, yet he was still one who had little faith. 
A more objective look at the account reveals the power of Jesus as Lord, reveals the lack of faith even among his closest followers at times, and inspires readers to fully trust in the power of Jesus during difficult storms in life. In discussing the problems with eisegesis, however, it is important to point out that there is a subjective element to studying the Bible. Following good exegesis that seeks to understand the Bible in its original context, a reader can seek to determine in what ways this original understanding can apply to life today. This will include how a biblical passage can relate to emotional areas of our own lives. However, accurate application must be based on accurate interpretation. Exegesis often takes more time than eisegesis, yet it is certainly the approach to Bible study the Scripture affirms. I thought they did a really good job of that simple little um, that really is a good one, yeah. breakdown of it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to include that in this. So forgive me for this being a little bit longer than we wanted to. Because again, apply this to every scripture, not just here in Second Chronicles. So here's the problem with Second Chronicles. Yes. Now <laughs> under this, this understanding, leads me to, now that we now that we understand this right, and that we understand that we don't want to isogeet what this verse means. And what the problem here that has happened as the church, you know, your pastors, maybe even well-meaning, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't think that a lot of this is um, malicious. You know, I don't think that people mean to do this. There's certainly yeah, ones like that know better, and, yeah. you know, because you certainly can, and the ones that know better, I think those are the ones that I was talking about in the prayer march, because... Um, you know, they, they, they certainly know the biblical interpretation and the tools and all these different things like this. And they, I think they're just refusing to use them and they're just, you know, just culturally, uh, eisegeting the text and, and which is, you know, it's a sellout thing to do. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous because, um, that, that's definitely not something that we can do here. We have to look back and understand that this is uh, the context of this passage is Solomon, King Solomon, dedicating the first temple. So So, does anything (laughs) that any country, America and beyond, or any of us in the process (laughs) of being the chosen land, the chosen people, dedicating the Lord's chosen dwelling place, like not sure how this applies. Nothing to do with any of us. Yeah. Our situations, what we're going through, literally it, nothing. It does not. No. He, he and the Lord is giving, you know, in, instructions here on how this works, on how, you know, th- this covenant works. So he explains here that... This is, you know, I'm going to read, this is one of my favorite study Bibles, and it's free. Okay, this is free. You guys can go to, it's yebc.net, and they have a study Bible, and they also have, you can donate, it's a church. It's Yeshua Elohim Bible Church. Okay, and I would suggest if you're able to, please 
don't, you know, give to them because they offer this study Bible for free and tons of resources for free. Um, and if you're able to give, I encourage you to give a little bit to them because they're it, they're just awesome. Their um, site went down for a little while. It went down for a little bit. It, like, little destroyed bit, our and lives. it did. It, right, <laughs> we were so sad. And then when they came back, I was so excited because I we even messaged them and, and I was like, "What do I have to do to get your site? Like, we will what do is anything." Um, and they came back. So uh, anyway, they they offer a a very brutal <laughs> um, uh, study Bible. That's it's great though. I mean, they just don't pull any punch. Like they don't. It's not. There's no fluff to their study Bible. Oh yeah, at all. yeah. It's, like it's you can tell, like I know we've kind of kind of chuckled a little bit because we'll be reading our family Bible study or whatever. And you read the study note and you kind of like really harsh things that the study notes are always like, well, you know, you know, they just put it yeah. so much more. I guess like that, like professional, just yeah, a little yeah, whatever. More politically and, correct. Yeah, exactly. Type of exactly. Yeah, yes, and that's Rowling where I love they don't, it's their own thing. You can only get it on a, on their website. Although I've totally contemplated asking them if like I can take it, make it pretty in like a printable form. But, um, yeah, they don't hold back. Like, I mean, because they're saying what it, it is, you know, you didn't have to add the fluff. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, read the note. Their, their note here for this verse was phenomenal says, in the future, and this is, they include their notes together for verses 13 and 14. So what I'm about to read here, this is including 13 and 14, um, which they they have, their study Bible is in the NET, I believe. I, I believe that's it, which is the New English trend. I'm fairly I, certain. I'm it's fairly the certain that's the one that they use, but... Yeah. The, the, it says on the site, I just don't, I don't recall and I'm not there at the moment, but... Um, verse 13 is when I close up the sky so it, that it doesn't rain or command locusts to devour land's vegetation or send a plague among my people. And then it goes into 14 with the healing their land. But Yeshua Elohim's note here says, In the future, God had already predicted to Moses that Israel would turn against God and worship false idols to get rebellious Israel's attention. God will send drought, locust invasions, and plague among the people. The people could have escaped these judgments by humbling themselves and praying to God. If the people of Israel would have followed this command, the God would have responded from heaven and blessed the people once again. Then they go into Yeshua Elohim's part of it here. Many modern churches use this verse today in order to raise support for their ministry. This verse is for ancient Israel who was living under the Mosaic law. They were living under the conditional promises of the Mosaic Covenant. They were blessed for obedience and cursed for disobedience to the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law is not in effect for the church today. Christ ended the Mosaic Law. There are some good principles. And he ended in, it because he fulfilled, <laughs> fulfilled it. Let it. me just—I I don't like yeah. how they use the word "ended," which no, I'm really Christ, surprised they did. I am really they, surprised that they did that. But they don't do he that. But yeah, fulfilled he fulfilled it. The law. Not a letter, not a single yacht of this right. will disappear we'll until, until it has been fulfilled. Correct. That's what the cross was, you guys. The that's fulfillment. Exactly what it was. So there are some good principles in the Mosaic law as they reveal the mind of God. However, there is a Christian liberty wherever there is New Testament silence. 
The land is not the church. One more time for the people in the back. The land is not the church, but that of Israel. This is not a verse for prosperity preachers to use so that they can fill their collection plates. This isn't our American gospel, right? The land to be healed is not America. And this is my favorite part of this note. This is not a verse for amillennialists and postmillennialists to spiritualize and make it fit into the church. And that's what that's what get that's what keeps happening with this. This keeps getting repeated and repeated and repeated. You know, um, we, every single prayer, Greg Laurie's prayer, Franklin Graham's prayer, even all these different prayers were citing Second Chronicles as as saying that that the Lord will heal the United States if we just repent we and just pray and, and repent. do these things. And well, yeah, I mean. If all the, the people, right, you look at Nineveh, right? Because we only have the one example where a people truly did. So, yes, if all of America were to truly repent and turn to the Lord, could God most definitely heal our land and do mighty things? Sure, well, of course, mighty a... things would be happening because the hearts of man would be turned from Satan, repenting, and now new minds that followed the Lord. Absolutely, things would be different. But we don't. We don't. We have a reprobate mind, and Guys, we've is been that given. Really going to happen? We have a reprobate mind, and we have been given up by the Lord, yep. and we don't want to turn and humble ourselves. Even our righteousness damns us. So even this, you know, righteous right that's that's standing up there, calling for the repentance of the nation while refusing to acknowledge their own sin. Yep. This is, you don't even know what repentance is. You, you, you know, you don't, you know, you don't, how are you going to stand up there and say repent when you're standing with heretics? How does this work? I mean, that's what's wrong with our country. Yeah, we're that's calling wrong for with repentance the and then handing the microphone to the likes of, you know, Franklin Graham and Paula White. Are you kidding me? This is... You, don't even, you wouldn't know repentance if it smacked you in the face. Honestly, yeah. most of us, even within the church, would not. I mean, how can this... This was cited in... And I don't... Re again, I don't remember the pastor's name, but it's in CBN's uh, Christian Broadcasting Network's The Return. Yeah. It's about, a mi I think it's an hour and 22 minutes and like 10 sec or somewhere in there that's into it where the teacher or the preacher is praying and he thanks the Lord for Ruth Ginsburg's death inciting this verse at the same time. Yeah. That right there is the problem and yeah. why this won't, this won't happen and why this is a ridiculous application i mean you, you can't see that there there's not a safe application to say to to use this verse as that okay this is not what that verse was is it theoretically true and could it happen yes but that's not just because it is that doesn't mean you can take this verse and make it in and turn it into your own in your own idea well because again that point theology. being that if the whole nation truly 
repented, turned away from doing evil, followed the Lord. You know what I mean? Like if that's truly what happened, like we've always said, I don't want abortion to be made illegal. I want to see people not want to murder their babies. Right. right? So if our hearts truly did, all of us across the board as a nation, however many bajillion Americans there are. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, yes, this yes, could happen, but it's change. not going to, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it can't. And it, there's nowhere in scripture that it says that it's going to, and it's it's a it's a stretch to even make it try. Well, that's but, that whole looking at Romans one, right? And God giving us up, you know. The like other difference is, let me show you where this would make it. You know, this would be, you know, different is because I'm going to have to do another one of these short ones probably on on Isaiah. And for instance, using a lot of the prophecies that Isaiah has, okay? No, these, putting these in their context and, and realizing these were prophecies not against the church or the Christian church. But the thing with these prophecies, though, is we have a wider application with these. Because these prophecies go for all time. This is a general general behavior of the people of God. This is something that that keeps reoccurring and we will consistently disobey God. See how that process is completely different from going and taking something that was these were instructions to Solomon. Regarding the dedication of the temple versus a prophecy that is prophetic, that this is a, a literally a message from God given to the people of Israel. But this, this prophecy covers not only Isaiah's time, but a time that hasn't even occurred yet that goes into the second coming. In the millennial kingdom. And and we have all kinds of, of, of things that have not yet occurred. So the, the applications of these things are completely different. But when we go and try to take something out of, of the kings or chronicles or something like that, we you need to be real careful. There's, there's rarely anything that applies except for the behavior of wicked kings, which is consistent all throughout Scripture, all throughout Israel's history. You know that most people don't understand that Israel had very few good kings. Yeah, there really are few and far between. I cannot wait. We're going to do a whole thing with that, with the Bible study with the kids for school where we go through and like chart out the kings to oh, see goodness. it like put together, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I didn't it, know it's, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's goodness, gonna, we're not quite good. there yet. We're still in Job, but I'm excited. Yeah, they had very few good kings. Um, and, you know, the, we don't we don't really get that, so... You know, I mean, we, we just have to be careful with our applications. And this right here is one of these dangerous, dangerous applications. Um, this is this is just shows a lack of knowledge in the people, though, when we want to have this milky, ice, you know, ice of Jesus gospel that we can just apply and just, you know, throw an American flag behind it. And, you know, it makes us feel so good inside. And 
you know it but it's it, it's not that's this isn't just that's not true nor is our our kingdom the lord's kingdom is not here i mean i i just this to me shows a lack of biblical understanding especially just new testament understanding especially reading i'm just how do you read the new testament epistles and not understand that there's a there's a sense of imminency of christ's return and that this world is is something that we're just passing through it's not our home it's not something that we are to to bother in we know that we have to be here but we're looking for christ we're not looking for anything else so how can you read the new te- and then go yep so if we as people just all get together then god's just going to heal our land and is going to bless us how does that work when we're looking for the soon return of christ i don't know that it says in there that it's going to be a cakewalk until he gets here and that we can build this utopia nope see the problem is is you're getting into post-millennialism now now you're getting to the point where you think that you can sort of bring in the kingdom of god and people don't even understand these these simple simple doctrines that that they're not of men they're just they're understandings that we have to have and we just can't go and just paste these on things and for me it's you know as a country you know continually gets worse and i just don't want you know, this is the seeker-friendly gospel and, 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 you know, way that we present scripture is just so harmful. And if we're not coming at people um, with what the truth of this is, then it's, it's worthless. It's nothing, especially in these end days. It's like, you know, we don't, we've, we like to, 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 to say all the cutesy things, but what we don't say is, you know, like Luke 14, the the cost of discipleship. And, you know, when Jesus is explaining the, the cost of discipleship, and then in 28 he says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, in verse 29 he goes, Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with the 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 in verse 32. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Why do we not talk about that? It's not seeker friendly. It really isn't. It, it's, it's anything but. It's it's not. And and we we cheapen the gospel. We cheapen and we're lying to people when we don't tell them to count the cost. Yeah. Don't just put on the save jacket. Don't don't quote unquote ideas. invite Jesus into your heart. He doesn't need to be invited. Yes. You need to come to him exactly. on your knees in humility. He is not standing at the door to your heart knocking, no, waiting man, for you is, to let him in. This is so backwards. And it's this is part of the concerning nature of this this time this this dispensation that we are in, because it's I I can definitely feel the way that um, 
the the Old Testament prophets even see, even ex exegeting this correctly. I'm not applying myself to an Old Testament prophet here, but I am definitely relating to Jeremiah, to Ezekiel, to um, I mean we we go back to all the the prophets that were frustrated, sad, beaten down, and just why do you not understand like can you not understand this like i i see that <laughs> because not that again i'm not i'm not a prophet or anything like that but we see we can make that relation in scripture we can see that the world does doesn't you know in in this i say the world but this milk that we're being fed and you know trying to push in our country right now is just it's very, very empty, and we need to learn how to count the cost. So that is definitely not what Second Chronicles 7.14 means. It does not mean that the Lord will heal America. Doesn't mean that he, that, that he theoretically could, and if a, a whole nation did do yes, of course, we have one biblical example of that in Scripture, and that's in Jonah, and that was Nineveh. Well, I mean, it's not just in Jonah, but um, Nineveh is the only nation in Scripture that ever repented, and their repentance didn't last long. You know, it's funny as if, theoretically, if that was true, heal their land forever, yeah, well... Have you seen Syria? Yeah. <laughs> if that meant what it says it meant, and, you know, God is forever and his thing, you know, that definitely would be a little bit different. So let's be careful how we, we use these applications with the memes that we share and the and the things because that we say to each other. Because it sound sweet. Because I think we look at it and we're just like, why do you make a big deal about it? I mean, it's just a nice thing. We're just trying to say something nice. And it's like, okay, but if it's not biblically accurate, if it's not biblically in context, like that matters. That absolutely does matter. Yeah, because context we, is always we have to key. say exactly like we said before. If you want to talk about repentance, then you're going to need to repent for not calling out false teachers right mm -hmm. in front of your face. And, and having anything to do with them when Scripture clearly tells us not to. And this isn't about my feelings. This isn't about me being mean. This isn't don't post a Jesus love verse. This is not what this is. This is, this is completely different when we get to, to speaking about teachers and, and brothers and, and false teachers. So forgive me for the extra long short podcast. <laughs> Bye, you guys. Bye.